Welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 316, first episode of 2022. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And it's a solo episode. That's right. I thought it time to check in with you because I haven't done one of these in a minute and I've been off for a couple of weeks. So what's been going on? I don't know. What's been going on with you? Not my favorite time of year, admittedly. Thank God we are past whatever that's called, not the equinox, but the uh, solstice, where it's the darkest day of the year, December 21st. I hate how dark it is this time of year. I hate how cold it is. I'm not a huge fan of the snow. All of this. The holidays are very tough for me for a variety of reasons. So not my favorite time of year. And I was a little bit burned out. It's weird. December is usually when things slow down quite a bit. You know, you have some time, your, your clients are winding down, but all of a sudden, all these projects just popped up and had to get done before Christmas. So I was running it to the red all the way up until the Christmas break. Then thankfully some breathing room and we seem to be good now. Although I will say the start of the year started off weird. Did it start weird for everyone else? Just, I mean, when you think about it, there were those fires up in Boulder and Louisville and Superior. That was awful. What a terrible, terrible way to end the year. Betty White died, so the cultural conversation, like the mood in our culture was just down. I mean, this virus keeps fucking hanging on. We can't seem to rid ourselves of it. The Omicron variant is highly contagious. As far as I know, I'm like one of the last people who hasn't had COVID yet, knock on wood. And I say that with the caveat that I may have had it and been asymptomatic. I have no idea. But I've been vaxxed twice. I got the booster. And, you know, still no COVID for me or anyone in the house, as far as we know. But, national mood, really weird, really tough. It finally snowed once we rolled into 2022. That was strange. And I'm just having a hard time getting it on track here. Like, I got into some bad habits at the end of 2021 in terms of, like, drinking too much and not eating the right things. Like I'm still going to the gym. Thank God for orange theory, because I think that's the one thing kind of keeping me in balance here. But I think I talked about this last time I did one of these shows. I'm just like in a funk and I feel like culturally we're in a funk. And so I'm not huge on resolutions. Like that's just not really my jam. You know, symbolically, I get it. It makes sense. We turn the page it's time to do something new or improve yourself, whatever. So, I mean, I have some generic ones. You know, I'd obviously like to get more in shape. I'd like to drink less. I'd like to take on interesting projects, but those aren't real resolutions. Like, that's not anything kind of game-changing. There was one year where I remembered reading, if you're going to do a resolution, what you should do is determine that you want to choose a new skill. And get good at that. Acquire something that has some value. Something that has some, even if it's not practical, but some practicality. Like something that you can do. Something you can point to. Not just, hey, I lost 15 pounds. You know, that's great. Good for you. But, like, what are you doing that's new? 
So I remember in 2019, I signed up for Masterclass, or I think I asked for it for a gift and Kristen got it for me. And so I was watching a bunch of those. Like I watched the Penn and Teller ones to learn some magic. I started working on some sleight of hand. I know a couple of card tricks there, okay. But I didn't really get to the point where it's something that I'm proud of or that I really show off. And there's a few reasons for that. The first one, wait, was this 2019 or 2020? This must've been 2020. Jesus, God. Can you keep track of the year anymore? I certainly can't. I have no idea what the fuck day it is, like ever. It's awful. But 2020, I remember I was starting to learn magic. I was starting to, like I was watching ones about how to negotiate properly. I think I watched some cooking ones. And then the pandemic hit and I had no time. So it's kind of an opportunity lost. Uh, Additionally, that year I bought Kristen some classes to learn fencing because she said she always wanted to. Like get the get the sword out. I can't even remember what it's called. It's like, it's either the foil or the saber or the epi. I think those are the three kinds of swords. Um, And I can't remember which one she did, but she tried that. wasn't really for her, but she said, I think what you're giving me is time. And I said, yes, that's exactly what I'm giving you. That's how she got an orange theory. Here we are a couple of years later. I've been going for more than a year. I fucking love it. That's a good resolution. I don't have anything like that on deck, which is probably a failing or at least a missed opportunity. But here's what I'm continuing to work on. I am trying to eliminate snark from the way that I conduct myself in the world. Because two reasons. One, I'm fucking real good at it. Like I can spit acid with the best of them. And when I do, I can tend to go for the jugular, which is... if, if you've seen the movie, You've Got Mail, it's satisfying in the moment, but over the long term, just ultimately leads to regret. You think about when you get a really epic burn on someone, particularly if they don't really deserve it. Like if you're just ball busting with friends or whatever, and you burn one of them, ultimately, I just regret that. And I just feel bad about it. And I have the kind of brain that doesn't forget anything. So I'll even call up ones from the past, like years ago, fucking decades ago. And I go, Ugh, I, I kind of wish I had that one back. And so one, that's a good reason not to do it. When you're good at it and you're actively kind of like stinging people that you like, that's not great. And I'm trying to evolve past that. I'm trying to improve myself. And putting that out there in a public forum like this is part and parcel to that. Secondly, I feel like our culture is inundated with snark as it is. There is so fucking much snark out there that I find it exhausting. Call this a corollary to an article I wrote on the Deft blog a while ago about how much I hate the meeting cut up. You know when you go to a staff meeting or some team meeting or really any meeting and there's someone or a bunch of someones who just have to constantly get their shit in. Like whatever their stupid joke is, like whatever dumb fucking aside that they have, it just slows the meeting down and you sort of have to reckon with it and you go, ha ha, yeah, ha ha, thank you, that's nice. And like, can I just get back to my fucking point so we can like do this, so we can be productive, so we can move on with our day and not deal with this like bullshit Henny Youngman kind of routine where people are just working in. They're dumb, like ball busting non sequiturs or like someone will 
this is my least favorite joke of all time. But you'll get done saying something very sort of pointedly and very uh, articulately. And maybe it goes on for a little while. You're making a, a very earnest kind of point. But someone at the end of it goes, wow, why don't you tell me how you really feel? Oh, God, fire that fucking joke into the sun. Just don't ever say that joke. That joke is so fucking lame. I can't handle it. This shit all just wears me out now. Like, can we say what we mean? And can we be direct with each other and be kind of earnest? And I attribute this to a couple of things as well. One is, this is the absolute preferred mode of communication from our former president who would just dunk on people all day or like come up with cutie poo nicknames for people he didn't like or come up with weird slanderous ways of kind of slagging them or trying to diminish their credibility. And it's natural to want to fight that with more of that. But to me, man, like you're just cheapening the dialogue all the way around. And what was his preferred mode of communication? It was Twitter. Do you go on Twitter? I try not to anymore because so much of it is just people trying to score points on other people. And I'm exhausted by it. It is just such a cesspool of negativity and snark and unhappiness. I mean, every time I go on Twitter now, I leave it just feeling worse and just way unhappier. Like, I must be in too good a mood when I decide to go on Twitter. Because I'll go in there and I'll leave and I'll go, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, I feel terrible having been on this platform. And so going forward, and that's what, I mean, one thing I'm lucky for is that that's what this show has always kind of been about. Like, I'm highlighting and spotlighting people whose work I think is interesting and whose work has value, and whose work deserves to be understood with a little bit more depth and a little bit more nuance. That's what I'm striving for at all times here. And over the course of having these conversations, and in talking with people who frequently are either nervous to come on the show, or will say this to me, why would you want to talk to me? Like, what I do is not that interesting. On the fucking contrary... What you do is very interesting and has value and deserves to be heard by a lot of people. When you practice that energy, when you're building people up, man, I feel great. Like, I talk about how I've tried to quit this show a bunch of times because this show's a fucking lot of work. But we're approaching eight years now. We're really closing in on eight years. I don't, it, just a couple of months from now. I should really plan something for that, don't you think? But we're coming up on eight years and eight years of that energy. I did 40 shows last year. And there are days where I'm like, I don't feel like doing this interview. Like, I'm really tired. I don't have it in me. Like, I'm in a bad mood. Maybe my tum-tum is upset. Whatever, right? Just a whole litany of living in this time and this year will weigh you down. When I leave these conversations, when I leave the interviews, man, I feel fucking great. I'm riding high because we're talking to someone who in, I, Jesus, probably like 999 times out of a thousand is doing something that they love and something they feel fulfilled by or are emboldened by. And the fact that I get to sort of ask them questions that like, cause I'm interested in what they're doing. 
not enough people ask questions. I feel like there's a scene in Pulp Fiction where Mia Wallace, it's a deleted scene, where Mia Wallace is interviewing Vincent Vega. She just like walks up, she's got her camera on him and she just asks him all these weird questions like, are you a Beatles man or an Elvis man? And the one that always stuck with me is she asks him, do you listen or do you wait to talk? And he said, I wait to talk, but I'm trying harder to listen. I first saw that scene when I was maybe 15 or 16 years old. I haven't forgotten it since because it's like, oh shit, are you listening? Or are you just waiting to talk? And there are times I'm certainly guilty of waiting to talk, but Jesus Christ, like if this show has done one thing, it's caused me to listen a lot more. And man, I wish we all just listened a lot more. And I think that's my problem with snark. It's that people are not listening. They're just waiting to get their shit in, right? I mean, that's a wrestling term. You got to get your shit in if you're having a match because like, even if you're booked to lose, you got to get your shit in, right? You got to let people see what you're doing and how you do it and you know what your cool moves or whatever story you're trying to tell is. You got to get your shit in. Culturally, we're all just trying to get our fucking shit in. And I'm sick of that. Like, I have a platform here. I'm very blessed and very fortunate that I jumped on this podcasting bandwagon really early because I can get my shit in anytime I want. I mean, shit, here we are right now. You're listening to me talk uninterrupted for however long this decides to go. I mean, how many minutes are we into this already? Fucking 13 minutes that I've been recording this? That's me going uninterrupted without anything else. And I have the power and the privilege to do that. I'm very blessed to do that. So when it comes time to interact with other people, I'm happy to listen because I know I'm going to be heard. I have a platform where I am heard. Now, here's where the gift comes in. If you allow someone else to tell you their story and you you listen to it with interest and attentiveness and earnestness, man, they will fucking love you. Because how often do you really get the chance to do that? My guess is not as often as any of us might like. And if we get slowed down by a bunch of shitty snark and a bunch of dumb, lame ball busting, then you derail the entire experience and you cheapen it. And if I can just put that to bed and put that in my past, because like I said, I got a whole sort of slew of regrets of shit that I've said that's been highly effective. And in the moment, I thought was really funny because, I mean, I'm paid to be a creative. I produce however many podcasts it is right now, six, I think. And I get to write professionally. I get to write my dumb little blog posts, you know, top five whatevers for my life. I get to do all that. Not everyone does. And so that can have a chilling effect if we're too snarky, if we're not listening to each other, and we're all just kind of waiting to get our shit in. Now, I say this all, everything I've just said, I'm going to throw one caveat in there. And I was reminded of this talking to Kristen. We were just sort of rehashing some old times and like good times, like when we met back in grad school and stuff. And we have very little tolerance for intellectual imposters or people who are being disingenuous or people who are being craven. And (laughs) this is where we save all of our daggers. 
And this is where we are ruthless. And I'll tell you this story. This is not one I've told in a public forum, and I hope the other participants in this story don't mind. I'm going to keep it largely anonymous. Although if you know us, it's going to be no great mystery who I'm talking about. Our first semester of grad school, me and two of my colleagues had a class that went from like 6 p.m. until 9 p.m., one night a week. And we figured out very early that this professor was completely full of shit. And I'm not going to name her either, but you could just tell. There was something about her that just wasn't on the level. It didn't add up. And I think we all just sort of determined on our own, this person is full of shit. So how do we undercut that? Well, we decided to drink before every one of our classes. And so we used to go to one of our apartments, drink hard for like an hour and a half, and then before it kicked in, you know, before you could feel it, so maybe it was like an hour before class, uh, we'd drive to campus, we'd get there, booze would kick in, and we'd sit there in class. And it, like, we're not exactly James Bond here, right? Like, we're not super spies or like subtle. Like, shit, have you met me? I'm as subtle as a fucking frying pan to the face. And so like some of the other students would come up to us and be like, what are you drinking this week? And we're like, oh, God, okay. So, like, everyone's kind of on to us here. You know what the professor did about it? Nothing. Jack shit. Not a goddamn thing. That's how we knew she was full of shit. If you tried to pull that in my class, if you tried to pull that in a place where I'm in charge, where you're sort of actively undercutting my authority by being, I would guess, unsubtly intoxicated... Man, I'm bringing the fucking hammer down and making sure you never do that again. What did she say to us? Not thing one. Not a goddamn thing. And you go, how do you let these fucking pissant 22 and 23-year-olds get away with that in your class where you are ostensibly in charge? You let them get away with that because you are full of shit. She's no longer at the school. I have no idea what she's doing now. But... Do I regret doing this? No, not really. Because, I mean, sure, like, this is, like, it's pretty uncouth. And it's something uncool that we're doing. But ultimately, it's kind of a self-correcting mechanism. Because it's like, you push as far as you can push, and if you're not getting pushed back, then fuck it. Keep doing what you're doing. Would I do that now? Of course not. Like, I know how to handle myself differently, but... When you're 22 or 23 or however the hell old we were, you use the tools you have. So there's this like subtle kind of defiance, maybe not so subtle, that you go, okay, you know what? Fuck this and fuck you. If you're going to be full of shit, we are going to actively be sort of, what's the word I'm looking for here? Not defiant, but um, insubordinate, right? This won't surprise you. I did not do very well in this class. Uh, <laughs> again, I'm totally okay with that. I made the calculus in my head. This was fine. I think back to any number of bosses I had. And I had some good ones. I'm like, seriously. Um, over the long term, like, you know, there were times where I would sort of butt heads with the people I worked with at the PR firm or, um, you know, in my corporate gig. It, various stops along the way. I, I would have friction with bosses. A lot of that was about me, not about them. They're, like, ultimately, 
Most of the people I worked with were great people. There were a handful of exceptions where I go, okay, you are either out of your depth intellectually here, and that's embarrassing because you hold an outsized amount of power for knowing nothing, or you are out of your depth in terms of managing people. And that's frustrating because we're talking about our jobs here. We're talking about our careers. And that's when I would have real friction. And that's when the insubordination would really start happening. But in my mind, and this is probably like the fucking monologue of every villain ever, I felt like what I was doing was justified and right. Because, man, sometimes you just got to disrobe intellectual imposters. And sometimes you got to, you got to, jam a fucking knuckle right between their third and fourth rib and just be like, see, okay, what are you going to do about this? You need to fix this. And in, in the two main cases I'm thinking about here, and I know I'm being kind of abstract and I'm being a little bit obtuse here, but that's by design. I'm not looking to incriminate anyone. And again, I'm trying to eliminate snark from my life. I know it doesn't sound like it based on what I'm saying here, But man, there are times where you got to stand up and call a spade a fucking shovel. And so that's when I'm happy to have the tools that I have. What I'm trying to avoid is not snarking on people who don't deserve it. I'm sick to death of that. And if we can just get together and do an honest exchange of ideas, if we can build each other up, man, I know I'm being pie in the sky here too. And I know... Some of this has got to be coming off like Pollyanna and ridiculous. I'm okay with that. Okay, I'm a dad at this point. My kids are five and seven. And they're very cute and they're very smart and they're very funny. Neither of them ever shuts the hell up. Like literally, neither of them stops talking. And it becomes a little much and that makes me grumpy. But I also don't want to turn into a curmudgeon because... That doesn't play well with kids. If you're constantly sort of being shitty and being snarky and, you know, just having that kind of energy, your kids are going to pick up on that. They're going to become dicks too. So Kristen and I have said our kids can be anything they want. Like literally anything. I don't care. I want them to be happy and fulfilled. One thing they're not going to be is dicks. Like, we are not going to be raising dicks or bullies. Like, that is just a non-starter in this house. And so I've been watching Cobra Kai. At shock of shocks, the last show I did of the year was the commentary for Karate Kid 3. And I'll tell you, like, Terry Silver's return, been kind of uneven. Uh, it's To use a wrestling term, he and Kreese are, like, getting 50-50 booked to death here. And it's kind of unclear what's happening between the two of them. I don't know. I'm watching the final tonight after I record this. So did I say final? I think I meant finale. I don't know what the hell I said. Could have been finial, which is that little like, I don't know what the hell you call it, but like the tchotchke that's on top of a lamp. I remember I went lamp shopping one time when I was like nine with my mom and they were talking about finials and it's the thing you put like on top of the lamp. And... I swear to God, we were in this lamp store for maybe 45 minutes. It felt like fucking six hours. I don't know why. I will never forget that, being in that lamp store and being like, dude, adulthood sucks and it's bullshit. Like, you have to go to these awful stores and have these just painfully dull conversations. 
And now that I'm older, like, I don't mind that shit. I don't love it. But, you know, you can do it. It's just, it's all part of being an adult. I'm getting off track here. Daniel's younger son turns out to be a bully. And he's bullying one of the other kids. And that was a real sort of moment for me in this show. Because I cannot imagine my horror if I realized I was raising a bully. If I was raising someone who was careless with others' feelings or who was outright hostile to others or antagonistic to others, that is just, man, that, that, that terrifies me to my core. That is not what I want for my kids. And so trying to improve my attitude, this episode right here, me talking at you for this long, and if you've made it this far, God love you. God bless you. Thank you for being here. But this is me attempting to hold myself accountable. So I'm trying to eliminate snark as much as possible. I'm trying to be positive. I'm trying to build others up. With that said, I'm going to save all of my venom, all of my bile, all of my acid for anyone who is being disingenuous or mean-spirited or craven in what they're doing. And so I still have that in the holster. I'm happy I have that, but I want to deploy it a lot less. So that's my charge to me. Make of that what you will. Live your life as you see fit. But man, like my whole axiom is work hard and be nice to people. And I'm trying my best to do that. I hope you'll do the same. So, all right, let's play the outro. Joan of All Trades Podcast is a production of Deft Communications, which is doing very well, thank you very much. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. We do all manner of traditional types of PR, outreach campaigns, media relations, ghostwriting, whatever you need. And I'm also a podcast producer. Six shows under my belt right now. I love producing shows, so if you have an idea for one, hit me up. Happy to talk to you. D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. Sponsor is 4Degrees, number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Anything you're doing online, 4Degrees can help you do it better. Whether you're doing some sort of online marketing campaign, advertising, social media outreach, email campaigns, 4Degrees can help you find the right audience, get the message right, and then get that message in front of the right people. They win awards, they're phenomenal at what they do, I'm proud to feature them. Number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. I'm on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your pods. Please leave us a rating, leave us a review. Hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes come directly to you. New episodes drop on Wednesdays. Episode previews go up on Mondays. That's Facebook only. J-O-A-T pod is the handle as it is for all social media platforms. Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram included. I'm out of here for this week. I've got my first interview show coming up next week. Thank you for letting me be a part of your life. I hope 2022 fills you with joy, success, fulfillment, and good health. Until I hear you again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.